Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan Lavoie. I'm the host of this show, and I'm joined by Tom Peavy today. Just a two-man crew as we get you uh, set for another night of college basketball. A lot of sports talk here as uh, we did not get to discuss all of the conference championship games this weekend. So we will uh, go ahead and review that Kansas City victory over Cincinnati and we'll continue to talk Auburn basketball as uh, they start to look forward to a midweek game against Georgia again we'll go over the world of college basketball latest bracketology uh, more Auburn basketball recruiting news they've got a five-star player they're in on that's going to commit tomorrow and help us talk about all of that Brian Matthews will join us at four o'clock today excited about that and of course as always birthdays and sports nightly tv guide we'll also get to our best and worst of the weekend because we were not able to get to that yesterday so we'll have a little bit of after the fact uh, best and worst of the weekend still want to discuss all of that so a lot to get to today here on this tuesday edition of sports of course all your phone calls on the auburn bank phone line at 334-887-3401 again ryan and tom with you here today tom i hope you're doing well and uh yesterday's show flew by but today will be a normal three-hour show yeah it did fly by a a shortened down show yesterday so we had to pile a lot into a little bit of time which we did but there was still so much to talk about that we weren't able to get to all of it so uh glad to have the full show today and we can talk about a lot of different stuff a lot of things going on uh auburn women on a roll right now auburn women basketball on a roll with another victory last night uh this time over florida uh that's three in a row for auburn who started out sec play uh 0 for six Yep, 0-6. 0-6 yep. in league play and have now won their uh, their past three games. And I think that just is kind of a credit to what they're capable of when they're healthy. And that was the biggest problem is is the beginning of the SEC play. They just they were missing so many players from that team just to, due to injuries and various injuries and all. But now they're getting back healthy and uh, rattled off three in a row and – Looking to go for four when uh, when they play Arkansas coming up here pretty soon. And it's another game that, you know, is a very winnable game for Auburn. So, uh, women on a roll and then uh, men men's basketball trying to uh, snap a two-game losing streak against a Georgia team that is a very beatable team. Yes, they got beat by Georgia earlier in Athens. I think that really kind of surprised everybody. But you get them in Neville Arena with the crowd and the hype. And uh, Georgia, or, excuse me, Auburn should be able to – bounce back now we'll talk more about that as the show goes on yeah it's obviously a georgia team that auburn has already seen that we've already seen uh this year go to play in uh, in athens uh, and of course the return trip uh, back in neville arena auburn will start to 
try a new winning streak uh, in Neville Arena after theirs was snapped last week at Texas A&M. And uh, again, as you mentioned, Tom, that women's basketball team winning three games in a row. Might mention them a little bit later on as well. Uh, Let's start, though, again, as we've done a lot of days on this show talking uh, college basketball. And let's look at the SEC as a whole right now, uh, just because I haven't updated some of these teams in a while. Uh, and, and their league standing. There are four more games in action tonight as the SEC gets back in full swing. There was one SEC game of the weekend, but all the other teams were involved, or two SEC games of the weekend, and, and all the other teams were involved in the SEC. Big 12 challenge. Uh, but at the top, you still have Alabama, the only undefeated team. There's Tennessee and A&M still at 7-1 and one in the SEC, and then Auburn in fourth place. That fourth place, very important. That gets you the double bye in the SEC tournament. And so top four seeds, very uh, very important. And then don't look now, Kentucky, Tom, coming in at, yep. uh, at number five now. Yeah, Kentucky has uh, – seems like they've kind of figured some things out from uh, their early season struggles. They, they've really been getting it going uh, of late. And uh, they're, they're a dangerous team. And we knew they were going to be a dangerous team, and I've been saying that all along, is that you can't count Kentucky out really ever because it's still John Calipari – You've still got some of the top talent in college basketball. Uh, their their struggles were kind of weird, and you know maybe it was just they weren't gelling together as a team. But we knew all along that as long as John Calipari is there, we know he's bringing in top recruits. And uh, this year they've got several guys back from last season. We knew they're going to be dangerous, and they've continued to be dangerous. And uh, here they are, right there, uh, neck and neck with Auburn uh, in that fourth spot. So. A dangerous team, and some other dangerous teams out there too. We've we've talked about Missouri. You know they're on down the on down the list behind Florida, but Missouri is a dangerous team as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's just nothing easy for Auburn moving forward uh, when you when you look at the, when you look at these standings. You got Alabama, Tennessee, one and two. Auburn still has to play both of them twice. So you've still got to play the number one and number two teams twice. Number three is A&M. You've still got to play them. On the road. On the road. And then behind Auburn is Kentucky. You've still got to play them on the road. Yep. So the vast majority of what Auburn has left on their schedule are the top teams in the entire conference. That's a tough, tough schedule for Auburn moving forward. But they got to go ahead and take care of business against Georgia. Maybe get some momentum going. That That's a game, you, when you look at how tough the rest of that is, you have to get that win against Georgia. You cannot falter on that one. You need that win because these others are just going to be so hard to come by. Yeah, the three of the four one-in-seven teams in the league Auburn is done with. Uh, they do have Ole Miss there. Uh, the three and five teams done with Arkansas. Though Arkansas is still a decent team despite being three and five in the league, they do get to play Vanderbilt, who is uh, ten and eleven overall. Uh, that is on the road though, in a weird gym, but still one of those that Auburn will will need to have. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, when you look at the top of the league. There could be some shakeup just because they've all got to play each other. I mean, Alabama will play Auburn and Tennessee in back-to-back games. Obviously, right. Auburn, as you mentioned, has both of them twice, uh, which means, look, they've got Auburn twice. And, and so Auburn's still high up in the SEC. You figure they do end up beating Georgia to go to 7-2. and two. 
Um, and that will still, I mean, look, again, that will matter in the SEC tournament, that, that double bye. Now, you might want to argue that after last year seeing Auburn lose to a Texas A&M team that was able to, to get a win under the belt and then get some momentum and then go on to beat Auburn, maybe being the five or six seed wouldn't be so bad. Uh, you, you play a weaker, lower-rated SEC team, one of those double-digit seeds, get yourself going, and then play a team as long as you avoid Alabama and Tennessee. That, that would seem doable. Right. So you could argue five or six seed would, would not be the worst thing in the world. But nevertheless, uh, if you're looking for that double buy that stops at the four seed, and of course, well, there's still a long way to go here because uh, they do play uh, 18 conference games, and look, the next one will be nine, so yeah. they're still technically more than halfway to go. Uh, but it is, as you talked about, the, the tougher half here. Uh, you know, sometimes it's when you play teams too because – Right now, uh, Kentucky is much different than they were two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Right. So will they be even different again in three weeks? I don't know. If they're, if you're playing the Kentucky team that's showing up here lately, that's a normally very tough game, even uh, and especially at Rupp. But if you're playing the Kentucky team that – uh, was showing up the first two or three conference games of the year, the team that somehow lost to, to South, South Carolina, Carolina yeah. then that's a Kentucky team that's very beatable. So uh, some of that's when you play teams, but certainly these last 10 games now all in the conference. And Auburn at 16-5 and five overall, you want to get to that magical 20-win mark. That 20-win mark will, will keep you from uh, having any tournament uh, bugaboos as far as being on the bubble and – and, and getting too nervous about that. I think I saw latest bracketology. I have to double-check Lenardi's. I've seen some bracketology with Auburn down at around the eight-seed line now, uh, which starts to get you know a little bit more um, uh, wishy-washy on, right. on, on just how sure you are of, of being a tournament team again. I, I think if they take care of Georgia, they beat Missouri at home, beat Vanderbilt on the road, and beat Ole Miss, that's 20 wins. I wouldn't worry too much about it, but – um, that does emphasize the importance of those games to make sure make sure you take care of them. And then obviously Auburn's going to have opportunities to come up with big wins. It's not just because they're not favored doesn't mean they can't come up with any of those wins. Right. You know, against Alabama or Tennessee at home and that sort of thing. But uh, nevertheless, you know, th- there this can still go one of two very different directions for Auburn. And we've talked about guard play yesterday a little bit and what Wendell Green Jr. gave this weekend. He had been playing really well, but obviously had a, a really was the key player that did not play well for them uh, against West Virginia. You saw Katie Johnson have 10 points off the bench and get active in the second half. Tom, how confident, how, how doable is it for us to start to see the Katie Johnson? I don't know if you're going to see the Katie Johnson last year, but a Katie Johnson that is serviceable and that is ultimately a positive because the Katie Johnson we've seen for most of the year has been a negative. What, what's the likelihood he can parlay that into some moment, momentum going forward? I, I, I mean, it's possible just because we've seen what Katie Johnson can do. and we he, He's the – you know, the madman out there making the faces and everything. He hasn't just suddenly forgotten how to play basketball. I mean, the kid, he's a good basketball player. He's not great. He, he's not hes not a guy that is going to be, a, you know, an NBA superstar or that, maybe even an NBA player for that matter. But he's a good he's a good player. He just hasn't been able to get it done this year. So I have the confidence that he can, and, and I'm really hoping that West Virginia game will give him that boost 
And now you've got his former team, Georgia. You know he loves to play Georgia. And he loves to beat his old team. So he's got that momentum going from West Virginia. You've got his old team coming in here that he that he loves to beat up on coming into his home home court. Maybe if you could get two in a row from him, that will lead him. And he's a guy that Auburn needs. I mean, they desperately need somebody else to kind of help out with what's going on. And we've seen that he can do it. We just haven't seen it a lot this year. So I have the confidence that he can do it just because we've seen him do it before. Um, it's you know, it's just it's a matter of getting it done. That that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not with him at practice every day. Uh, I, I'm not a fly on the wall anytime he and Bruce uh, Pearl have a conversation with each other. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't. I, you know, I don't know if he's had a nagging injury that is not being reported that that's been an issue. Uh, if he's just having a bad season, I I don't know because I'm not in there. But we've seen what he can do. We we've seen that he can be very productive. We saw it against West Virginia. Now I'm just hoping he can keep it going. And, and I believe he can, like I said, because I've seen him do it before. It's not like he's been a terrible player that all of a sudden had an anomalous good game. You're like, mm, okay, whatever, he had one good game. No, I mean, we, we know the kid can play. We know he's a baller. He's just got to get it figured out. Hopefully West Virginia was kind of the beginning of him getting whatever his ails are figured out. Yeah, the, the interesting thing here is, I mean, we had two years of Katie Johnson – doing basically all the stuff he's doing now, just better versions of it, because even at Georgia, bad team in 2020, he shot 42% from the floor, 39% from three, and averaged 13 points a game. Last year, the efficiency went down, but he still averaged 12.5 points a game for Auburn, although he was 39% from the field and 29% from three, did not shoot the three well last year. And then this year, obviously, it's gone even further down. It's gone from good, solid numbers his freshman year to respectable numbers last year, to now undesirable numbers this year, 34% from the field this year, just 26.5% from three, averaging eight points a game. So as you said, Tom, I mean, there's two years of tape on KD Johnson that would be acceptable or or even good numbers uh, from his time at Georgia and his first year at Auburn. And it's not like he's doing a bunch of different things that he didn't do in previous years. I mean, he always has taken the ball to the rim a lot. He's always tried to make a lot of difficult layups and a lot of contacted layups. Um, He has taken some step-back jumpers, but I think in large part, especially as his struggles have progressed this year, he's actually passed up some shots and when he does take the three lately it has been more of the open variety and he's just not making them so that that's something that you know i i think it's a confidence thing at that point which is ironic because he's always given off the mantra of being one of the most confident players on the team almost to a fault at times when things were going well last year you'd see him uh, try and finish through a double team or, or or take that step back contested three and and this year at times he's passed up the shot so that's why seeing the ball go in in a game in the second half i know he's still one of five or three but he did hit a three in the second half and he did have i think all of his scoring in the second half if not for one bucket so yeah. uh that is what you're hoping you get out of katie you get that 10 to 12 point game off the bench because they found their four 
that they're starting, that they're rolling out there with Williams and Broom and Green and Flanagan. And, and not all four of those guys are going to be great every night, as we saw from Wendell Green the other night, as we saw Jalen Williams not be very aggressive against A&M, for example. But those guys are the four main guys. So if you can find anyone outside of that that can be consistent for you, and Katie Johnson comes to mind as a guy that's been capable in the past, uh, then you're starting to look at a team that's more well-rounded, not dependent on one or two guys. Uh, as we talked about, Wendell Green Jr., really the only guy that had a bad game out of that group right. and still losing at West Virginia. Uh, a tough one as Auburn was able to cut that game down to one several times. We need to take our first time out of the show today. More sports call coming up after this. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. On this Tuesday afternoon, Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. Coming to you live on our studios from South College Street. And let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins the program. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, um, I'm just like covering a lot about this Super Bowl because I know it's this uh, coming up Sunday. And do you think that Patrick Mahomes would be like the next MVP in Super Bowl history? Yeah, so uh, it, remember, it, they do take a week off, so the Super Bowl will be next Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I, I think with Mahomes, he's already won one Super Bowl MVP uh, a few years back, and mm-hmm. he's probably going to win the NFL MVP this year. So, obviously, the accolades are are, are continuing to, to rise for him. So, if the Chiefs win, I mean, I think it's going to be because of Mahomes and, and what, he's, was, what he's able to do because I, I, I don't see – you know, I know they've got Chris Jones, who's a great defensive player. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's a great tight end, but I just think if it's the Chiefs, it's going to be really hard not to not to give it to Mahomes. Yeah, because I was looking at like a lot of different uh, Super Bowl quarterbacks from the past, like Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach, um, Bart Starr, um, Joe Montana, John Elway, Tom Brady. Um, Warren Moon, um, you know, and, and a lot of other guys that are quarterbacks for different teams that have won Super Bowls and won the MVPs. And out of that list of uh, past uh, Super Bowl winners, I'm looking at Tom Brady. Yeah, uh, as as far as just winning the most and, and uh, kind of being the most uh, heralded there? 
Yes, because with with all those quarterbacks that have won uh, Super Bowls, I mean, putting Patrick Mahomes in that category, I mean, he's just won only two Super Bowls. But I mean, he, I mean, he's looking up at the greatest uh, quarterback of all time. He's looking up at. Tom Brady that's won uh, Super Bowls with the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. Yeah, and Mahomes actually only has one Super Bowl trophy right now. He's been in two, but he's only won one. He lost to Brady and the Bucks in his other. And yeah, I mean, James, I think I'm with you. I think people kind of project this out too quickly. Of course, Mahomes is awesome. He's gone to five straight AFC championship games. He's now won three of them. He's on a uh-huh. uh, on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Plus, I mean, he's on a legendary trajectory. But nevertheless, he still is in his late 20s. There's still a lot more years to put in before he, he joins that pantheon. Obviously, the talent is off the charts and, and the accolades are growing by the, by the year. But the reality is it still just is five or six years. And, and part of what makes an all-time great an all-time great is success over a prolonged period of time. So Mahomes still has to keep doing it year after year. I think he will if he stays healthy. And I think that's why people project him out. But he's still got to ultimately do it and, and continue to rack up those accolades. Yeah, because, I mean, with this uh, Super Bowl that's coming in this Sunday, I mean, I'm looking at Jalen Hurts from Alabama. He's, I mean, if he wins this Sunday, that would put Patrick Mahomes 1-1 one and one with uh, former Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts. But I was talking with a lot of Alabama fans, and they were saying that Jalen Hurts was a quarterback at Alabama. I mean, before he came to Alabama, he was a quarterback at Oklahoma, and then he transferred from Oklahoma to Alabama. Yeah, that, reverse that, James. He he started at Alabama, played three years there, and then he finished at Oklahoma. And uh, his uh, his last year in college, he was at Oklahoma, and, they, and they, he was a Heisman finalist, and they went to the playoff and and that sort of thing. But uh, but Hertz started at Alabama, then finished at Oklahoma. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did uh, start at Alabama. And then he finished his career with Oklahoma, then came back to Alabama to finish up. Right. Well, he, he again, he had one stint at Alabama. It was three years. It was three consecutive years. Uh, and then he finished at Oklahoma uh, that last year. And then he got drafted by Philadelphia into the NFL out of Oklahoma. Yeah, so if, uh, if Jalen Hurts wins with the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday – that will tie the most uh, NFL record with a former quarterback that used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. So he will tie uh, the all-time uh, quarterback leading rushing record. And that quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles is no other than Donovan McNabb. Oh yeah, with uh, their, their Super Bowl appearance when they when they lost to the Patriots about fifteen or so years ago, McNabb was their quarterback, and they had Terrell Owens as their top receiver. Yeah, so if if the Eagles win with Jalen Hurts, he would tie with uh, Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb as as a quarterback uh, Hall of Famer, as a future Hall of Famer as well. Well, what else is on your mind today other than the Super Bowl, James? 
<clears throat> well, I'm getting ready to actually count down uh, NASCAR week as well and uh, seeing, um, you know, Clash of uh, Champions and seeing uh, this one for the second time this year. Yeah, and I saw there was a few rule changes in NASCAR uh, today, such as, you know, as it applies to the, the race in the Coliseum, they're going to have some rain tires. Uh, if it were to get wet, they could still race in the rain at some of these short tracks like the Coliseum. So uh, that was one of the rule changes by NASCAR. Hopefully it's still dry, but if it does rain, as long as it's not pouring or there's lightning, uh, they will have rain tires they can race in the rain. Yes, that's well, because I know last, uh, last season they did this um, because for me as a NASCAR fan, I know sometimes when they do weather delays, they always show like you know classic uh, NASCAR uh, races that I've seen over the years, and I think NASCAR is really doing a really good thing, you know, just for for like the weather delays. So that way, you know, if people want to. You know, NASCAR fans wanted to look at like like you know races from you know years past. While you know this one, you know, uh, gets cleared out, that that would be a really good thing. And I think NASCAR might need to keep that as well. Yeah, I think uh, rain delay programming will always uh, kind of be geared towards former races and and that sort of thing. Hopefully, though. Uh, with the sport, you don't have as many rain delays this year with those rain tires at certain tracks, and still the goal is to be able to race in a timely manner, and, and hopefully things don't get uh, postponed. Yes, as well. And then with uh, NASCAR, they've really done a really good job with like the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's really amazing to see some of the great uh, NASCAR legends of the past and getting to hear their stories and getting to see like their 30 for 30 um moment on the inside as well oh yeah no absolutely always good to good to have a good documentary about uh, some of these great drivers yes as well and then i think probably for the for next year's uh nascar hall of fame enshrinement ceremony i think they should do um, a 30 for 30 documentary on the Alabama boys as well because you know they're they're right here in Alabama uh, they raced right there in Talladega uh, years ago in the 50s and 60s and you know they should put you know something like that together as well absolutely absolutely and James uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we let you go was I saw Luca had uh, returned to the lineup last night for Dallas and he had uh, like 50 something points and they beat the Pistons Yes, as well. Um, yes, that was last night, and um, he really did uh, do a really good job with uh, shooting that many points. So I'll just have to see how we're going to do uh, next week when we play against um, Zion William, Williamson and uh, the, New or- the New Orleans Pelicans as well. Absolutely. Well, James, as always, we appreciate the phone call. We'll We'll talk to you again later this week. All right, sounds good. I'll try to call y'all back on Thursday in War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next commercial break of the show. Got some NFL news to get to in just a little bit. Also, birthdays in sports and, and retired Word AM Steve all coming up here before we conclude the first hour of Sports Golf. Stay tuned. More in a moment. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. 
I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan LaMoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Been not too wet of a day, but a very dreary day. A lot of yeah. clouds today. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. It's like kind of foggy, but not... But Usually it, fog is not in the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah, not fog in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's just very just damp, dreary. It's not cold. Out west of us, very cold. Yeah. Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas areas like dealing with ice and things like that, but... Yeah, it's just kind of a dreary, mild day. Yeah, uh, that will continue tomorrow. Uh, they have a ton of rain on Thursday. And then we will get a little colder over the weekend, but not uh, freezing. We'll stay about 50 or so. I'm ready for um, some Christmas time cold that we yeah, had. Yeah, you're, you're, we're, uh, we're running out a little low on time. We're, yeah, we're running out, yeah, we're running out of time for that. It'll be 115 degrees here before long. Yeah, so, something along those lines. So we'll see. It will, like I said, we'll get a little colder this weekend. Uh, the lows will be around freezing, but uh, still nothing like uh, an ice storm or icy well, weather at all. I, I saw a thing that uh, I think James Spann posted today in an old story from the '60s, and it was like the coldest ever recorded in the state of Alabama for this day or, or no, this like ever, like okay. ever recorded, and it was like negative twenty-seven. Gosh. How do you even? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not supposed to get that low down here. I don't care. I mean, no. I mean, it gets in the single digits. And we're like, this is unprecedented. It's like, I actually know. It actually got down to negative 27 up in the reaches of North Alabama in 1966. I would, ca- I would call into work that day. I would not leave the house. <laughs> yeah. I just would not do it. Staying warm inside. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member, FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call and join sports call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the sports call phone line. And with that, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Thanks for asking. It's bright and sunny over here. In fact, it's uh, 75 degrees. Wow. We'll hear about your uh, uh, kind of cloudy day there. Uh, that sounds like a nice spring day down there, Steve. Yeah, it does feel like that. But uh, uh, they won't last long. We'll be back in the uh, mid to uh, high 50s uh, come this weekend. Gotcha. Yep. Cold front moving So there in. we go. All right, gentlemen, let's start with some, uh, I'd say, you know, positive uh, Auburn sports, uh, and that is our basketball team, women's basketball team, has gone three in a row. They uh, beat Florida Gators last night. They did. They've uh, they've won three in a row, as you said. They've They've gotten healthy. They've got contributions. Uh, Carissa Richardson, the freshman, had her had a big game, had her best game of her Auburn career last night. Uh, Kula Bali continues to be good. Uh, so so they, are, uh, they are on a roll. And I forgot to mention uh, Monday, uh, yesterday, uh, that our uh, gymnastics team, they uh, 
win, uh, and they beat uh, the, the, the NC State, right? Yes, NC State. I think they scored, again, scores being more important at this stage in the year. I think they scored like 197.2 or, or something like that. It was a little lower than they had the week before, but not bad. So, uh, having said all that, guys, I heard your comments, and I want to uh, throw some stuff at you, Stats, and, uh, because, again, you know, I, I admit I have uh, an orange and blue bias. So I'm looking at the most today's most recent NET uh, NCAA uh, rankings, and I can't make sense of this. But Arkansas, according to the NCAA's net rankings, is ranked 28. All right. Auburn is ranked 31. I said, okay, well, let me see what they're going with to have that difference of rankings. Okay. And then I'm saying I can't follow this. The quad one uh, record, Arkansas, is one in five. Okay. Ours is two and three. Interesting. And then I went, okay, let me see what they did. Quad two. Quad two, uh, Arkansas is two and one. We are five and two. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know, Steve. I mean, that, that so sounds... So how, how do you explain, what's the, what's the, I guess, algorithm that be used by uh, NCAA's net rankings to have Arkansas ranked higher? It's, it's three, three rankings high, but they're still they're ranked higher than we would be. We have... Uh, only on quad one, uh, three losses, and Arkansas has five losses. Right. I mean, you know, it, it would be it would be one thing if they had significantly more games in the quad one. Um, even what even if they're losses, it means they're having a, a really tough schedule. But it's only one more quad one game in that in that case. And as you said, they are one and five compared to Auburn's two and three. You know, Steve, I, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could come up with a good explanation for it because, I mean, I'm looking at Arkansas's resume, and they had a little tougher non-conference schedule than, than Auburn, but also Auburn's got two more wins to losses than them, and they beat them uh, head-to-head. So, right. you know, I, I'm, not really, I'm not really coming up with a good reason. I definitely think they're in the same ballpark, but I would have flipped them and said Auburn would be a few spots uh, ahead of them. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, I could not honestly tell you because Arkansas's, like I said, they've got – a couple of nice wins the non-conference but also they just they lost some of those games too and in um in, in conference play they don't have some incredible record i mean missouri's a decent win but uh they lost the vanderbilt on the road which isn't great their other wins are like Ole miss and lsu and and auburn has those same wins so i i i really couldn't tell you and here's another bit of a head scratch west virginia who we just lost to that was not a catastrophic loss they have been right 25 net rankings Okay. Now look at their quad uh, one uh, record, and they're three and eight. Right. Well, that that goes. But I can explain that one though, because even though that's not a good win percentage, that's a a ton of quad one games, and you get credit like the, there is in the in the net rankings a such thing as a quote good loss because if you're just playing a bunch of those quad one games, it really enhances your strength of schedule. And West Virginia has a very highly rated strength of schedule, as evidenced by having eleven quad one games. So even the, it doesn't it doesn't really compute the way of oh the win percentage is bad, therefore they don't they shouldn't get any credit for that. They they rank it basically of, of strength of schedule. They do have three quad one victories, even though it's obviously in a poor win percentage. And just the fact that they have played a lot of those high quality contests, you're going to get more co- credit for a good loss than you are a bad win. Okay, so. On that logic, Ryan, then uh, we should do really 
not badly uh, by losing to uh, Tennessee and Alabama then, right? No, I'd agree. I, I think that will happen. I think Auburn's net ranking will, will not suffer these last month because they've got such a great schedule. Obviously, they got two or three weaker games like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. But other than that, I mean, Auburn's going to have a lot of quad one opportunities uh, and even in close losses and stuff like that, that will really not hurt their resume. Okay. And, you know, uh, yesterday I mentioned that you know, I couldn't believe it. And I know, Tom, you made the comments, well, you know, uh, they get that name brand recognition. They've won some tough games of Alabama on being dropped, too. Right. Uh, that's where they are in their rankings. But Arizona has been overlooked, I think, slighted. Because I look at their record, and it's better than Auburn. Uh, it's better than Alabama's record, as far as I can look at. Their quad one uh, wins uh, for Alabama 6-3. and three. Arizona's 7-2. And, and Arizona's record's 19-3. and three. Alabama eighteen three, so I'm trying to figure out what possessed you know the net rankings to have Alabama ranked number four, but Arizona, which is very competitive, is ranked number well, ten. Well, here's what I will say is that I know Alabama got thumped obviously by Oklahoma, but all three of Arizona's losses have been by double digits. They lost by nineteen at Oregon in a game that they trailed in the twenties by. They lost at home to Washington State. Washington State's got a losing record. And they lost at home by 13. And then in the month of December going back, they lost to Utah by 15. So uh, all three of their losses were, were not overly competitive. Uh, they were uh, not to rank teams. And again, as I said, Washington State's 10-13 and 13 on the year. I mean, at least Oklahoma is trending towards potentially making the NCAA tournament. Washington State ain't making any tournament. Okay. All right. Um, that's you – know, I see some, a good deal of measuring what you said there. All right. Sigma to college basketball. I just saw an article on ESPN's uh, BPI uh, odds for teams making it to the Final Four. Have you seen that? I have not. Well, it says here, and this comes from uh, MSN.com, the top raw odds of reaching Final Four as of today belong to Houston at 56.6, Tennessee at 52.6, Alabama at 26.5, and UCLA, 25.3. Now, Purdue is not even in there, okay? Uh, but here's the, 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 uh, the head scratcher here. It goes on to say that despite giving Alabama slightly better odds of making the NCAA tournament final four than UCLA, ESPN's BPI gives UCLA better odds of reaching the championship game and winning the national title. Now, how do they come to that conclusion, hmm. guys? Um, you know, I'm not sure on that one. My only educated guess, it, <laughs> and I, I still don't think it's a great guess, to be fair, but my, my only string of logic there would be that UCLA is a more experienced team, so that that may win out because some of their players were still on that Final Four team from a few years ago, whereas Alabama's players have not been that far in a tournament, and most of them are brand new to Alabama. So, but but at that that point though, I would just say that if you're good, if you're quote experienced enough or good enough to make the Final Four, I'm not sure how all of a sudden experience would matter once you got right. there. So I don't agree with that line of thinking. If that is the line of thinking that they use. It's just one thing that, that maybe I can think of that maybe they're using. I don't know. Okay. All right. Let's go stay with basketball with our team. Uh, this comes from Nathan King uh, today. It's called a three-pointer. I don't know if you've read it yet. Uh, and he talks about the daunting schedule uh, waiting for Auburn. Uh, and he has some other stats in here. And he talks about 
the uh, uh, the, the team uh, and what they're doing in different areas and uh, the three point shooting that we are below, obviously below average, and uh, how uh, the uh, three point shots have been killing, especially from teams that have a decent three point shooters. And I didn't know that uh, apparently Wonder Green leads the SEC in uh, points scored. Uh, did you know that? I uh, did not. Okay. Uh, apparently does. And then I went reading further and talks. Uh, they think brings up some uh, teams that obviously we're going to contend with and uh, how they uh, have won and lost. And he talks about, obviously, Tennessee coming up. But he also talks about uh, how Kentucky beat Tennessee. And uh, what he points out is this. Which Tennessee team does Auburn get? Do they get the Tennessee team that Kentucky beat, uh, which at that time Tennessee went three for 21 on three-point shots? Not good. So that was one of the factors that led to Kentucky winning. So, guys, do we get that team? I know you talked about which team shows up against Auburn, you know. Is it uh, the Kentucky team that got bombed, you know, by South Carolina? Was it the Kentucky team that beat Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, some of that sh- that shooting stuff, it really is a t- uh, to be determined because Tennessee, I will say as a whole, they're not an incredible three-point shooting team, but they are one of the better ones in the SEC. They're at 34% roughly on the year, so that's a few percent better than Auburn and Arkansas and a few of these teams. So that more times than not, they're not going to be that bad from three, and to be fair, no one really is. But uh, Auburn's biggest problem has obviously been letting one particular player go off and have huge exactly. nights. So that's the biggest thing is as a team, Tennessee, you know, the, the Auburn's got to make sure Tennessee does not have that one breakout guy get going, and, and he himself hit four or five those three. Because even in Texas A&M game, even when Radford scored thirty, even when Stevenson scored thirty for West Virginia, they would get hot in a particular half as a team, but only that one player would stay hot for the whole game. The rest of the team came back down to earth. I mean, A&M only hit one second half three, and Stevenson was the one that hit the clutch threes for West Virginia. So if Auburn can can make sure one guy doesn't stand out for Tennessee, even on a hot first half or, or hot period of time for as a team, odds are they don't do that for two halves. These games were winnable for Auburn if they could just do something to stop these one, you know, uh, horrendous players that somehow, you know, go out of their minds against us that nobody else, you know, can do anything about. Well, well, Steve, I was going to ask you, did you say that you that, that Wendell Green was the leading scorer in the SEC? That's what I saw. Yeah, it was 18 points something, uh, point three, uh points per game. Is uh, that just in SEC play, maybe not for the overall for the no, year? No, just in SEC. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I was about to say, because I'm gotcha. looking at the stat, I've got him at 11th, uh, 286 total points. Brandon Miller from Alabama leads the uh, SEC with 400 points. Right. So maybe that's just conference. Yeah, yeah, conference only, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know he was doing that good. Uh, so I heard you guys about what the remedy is. And so, you know, if you guys are aware of what the remedy is, surely our staff is going to make the adjustments to stop these players who are just 
torching us at three-point shots. Right, guys? Right. I mean, they're going to be very aware of it, and then it's up to the players to execute the plan and, and be able to make those shots, those jump shots, as, as difficult as possible. By the way, Steve's just down to about a minute or a minute and a half left before the hour, hour break. All right. Uh, with that said, guys, uh, there was something that was said uh, during the uh, Cincinnati and the uh, Kansas City game, uh, game by one of the announcers, Tony Romo. And I thought I heard it, then it, I said, well, maybe I didn't hear it right. But Shannon Sharp had a podcast on it and said, hey, well, let's, let's be fair uh, to Mr. Tony Romo. We'll play it again. He kept on playing it. Of course, it has to do with um, Tony Romo apparently making a uh, partial comment uh, that implied that he was getting ready to use the, uh, the N-word. Uh, talking about one of the, uh, was it? Uh, Pacheco, is that his name, the running back? Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, who who broke yeah. three tackles on the play. Yeah, yeah, and he made a comment that the other three defenders, um, he called them, he said the three N-I, and then he stopped. So I'm just wondering, guys, do you think that anything will come of this from the NFL or from uh, the CBS that showed the, the game? Yeah, it was CBS. Yeah, no, I'm sure CBS will mention that, or, will t- or not mention it, talk to Tony about it. But but no, I, but since he did not actually say you know finish that out, uh, I, I do not expect any 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 public punishment. So no uh, no penalty flag will be thrown against him. No uh, unsportsmanlike like conduct. Then. Yeah, well you know you get <laughs> you get two unsportsmanlikes where you get thrown out. So maybe this was just his first one. Okay, well I couldn't believe that when that happened. I said yeah, I think I did. He almost hear that. All right, guys, thank you for your time as always. Uh, we'll hopefully spend more time talking about tomorrow night's game. Do you guys have any clue as to what the uh, Vegas people are going to make this line for tomorrow night's game, though? Uh, I don't know. High single digits, maybe. Uh, they usually do that day of. I, Auburn definitely be favored. I don't think it'll go up to double digits, but I think it will be modest single digits. Well, we've got some good games tonight. Kansas State and Kansas. Yes, sir. And West Virginia TCU. Yes, sir. We, Thank we, you guys for your time. Yes, sir. My time is up. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Have a safe afternoon in War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is Retired Word MC joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. If we have time at the end of the show, we will preview uh, the night in college basketball again. Really just about every night except for Friday night is uh, usually a fun night in college basketball. And four SEC games in action also tonight as well. Out of time for hour number one, Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals joins us live coming up right after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call getting underway right now on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show, and I've got Tom Peavy with me here today. Fun hour ahead here. It'll be nice to have the full three hours today after we've had a couple short shows here 
lately. But uh, with that, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line here to start hour number two. And we're pleased to be joined by Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals. Uh, Brian, the time is greatly appreciated. I hope you're well, sir. I am, and it's always an honor to be on the same show as uh, legendary beat writer Tom Peavy. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Always glad to have you on the show. Absolutely. Well, Brian, you know, I, obviously, first time we've talked to you since JJ left this seat, and I know that you and him shared a great love of Liverpool Football Club. And, and Brian, I'm just going to be forthcoming with you right now. Uh, yeah. I am not a huge Premier League guy. However, if I have a team, it is a team that is 19th in the table right now. They mm-hmm. also play in the city of Liverpool. Uh, oh, no. And and uh, they are uh, a team that is famous for being uh, Liverpool's arch rival, the uh, Everton Toffees, oh, who no. are very terrible this year. Uh, so I just yeah. want to be cl- just co- go ahead right out there in front of it. Uh, and and my question with Liverpool and Everton is: Are are you? Do you want Everton to just go ahead and be so terrible that they fall down uh, to the the, uh, the championship, or because of the rivalry, do you want to get to keep beating them twice a year in the Premier League? Well, um, I was about to talk about how bad Liverpool are this year, but then you brought up Everton, and this is really, really bad. Yeah, um, I don't have anything against Everton. You know, I'm not. You know, you grew up in Alabama, you hate the other side, right? But you grew up over here across the pond from England. You don't really have that, those feelings necessarily to your rivals. So um, the only reason I'd like to see Everton go down is to see what happens when a big club like Everton actually goes down. Because this will be like, I don't know, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, or Georgia falling down into you know the Sun Belt, which is basically what this would be. Sure. So that would be insane. If you, you know, I mean, it would just be crazy for that to happen. So. Uh, but, yeah, they're in a tough situation. I know they just changed their manager up, so we'll see how that goes for them. Yeah, um, one of many manager changes over the last few yeah. years. But he's Brian Matthews here of Auburn Rivals. Uh, so let's talk a little bit uh, here about Auburn basketball, and we will get uh, more on, on football recruiting and that sort of thing. A lot yeah. to talk about with Auburn in just a moment. But Auburn basketball coming off a rough week, two losses, one at home in Neville Arena, which probably more startling than the road loss to West Virginia. What did you think about this basketball team over the last week? Uh, I mean, I think – teams are beating them the same way uh, it's the guard play that's really hurting them the perimeter defense whether they're going up against a big guard that's shooting over them like stevenson did or whether it's a guard that just cannot you know stop the dribble drive like uh the kid from texas a&m whose name escapes me did over and over going to his left even though they had worked you know and in, in practice defending him going to the left they just kept doing it to him um, they've just got to get that solved. You know, that, that's the big big thing with this group right now. Um, and they need to get it done now because the, the last 10 games are just a ferocious uh, schedule. I mean, it's just big game after big game, a lot of them on the road. You know, Georgia, Endeavor Arena, you think Auburn should be the team to beat here, but this is the same Georgia team that really put it on them and happened. So we'll see if Auburn will respond. Uh, to the way they played the last two games and for uh, a chance to get a rematch to Georgia. Uh, one guy that has really kind of struggled this year and finally saw a glimmer of hope from him in West Virginia is uh, Katie Johnson. Do you think maybe that's a that's him kind of breaking through and we can now start seeing the Katie Johnson that, that we all have come to love? Or what are your thoughts on Katie Johnson as we move forward to- towards this uh, rough part of the schedule? 
man, you know, KD is the type of player because he's so emotional. You know, if he gets hot, right, if he can start scoring and making shots, he can, you know, carry a team. He can lift up his teammates because he's that type of player. Um, so, yeah, that would be tremendous if that can happen, you know. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I don't want to, you know, I want to put too much on him or anything. Right. You know, it's it's been a while since we've seen that KD. So, so but that that would be a, a big plus. Auburn needs somebody else to step up. They can't rely on on, on Janae or um, or Win Green every night. You know, teams are doing a great job doubling Win Green up top, which is causing a lot of trouble. Janai, you know, had that great second half against West Virginia, but the first half, you know, he. He struggled early, and then I, you know, I think he just took three shots or something like that. It just wasn't a, a productive half, and Auburn you know, got down by double digits. Yeah, and Brian, the, the interesting part here is it's it's two games in a row where they give up around 45 points or so in the first half, mm-hmm. and, and the difference in the West Virginia and Texas A&M game was that in the second half of West Virginia, Auburn had maybe their best offensive half of the entire season, sco- scoring nearly 50 points, and I know they left a couple free throws out there too. I, I mean, at this point in the year, it, it might be you are what you are. I know, I know there's some development still going on, but how does Auburn – bottle up a 48-point half and try and use it in the first half to, to get in front of these teams rather than having to be 10, 15 points down entering the second half? Well, you know, I think Jedi, of course, had a great second half. Jalen was terrific, too. Uh, I, I just think, to me, Auburn really, when they play good defense, they can turn that into good offense, right? Or or, or, or even if it takes them some time to solve the issues that they need to execute in that half-court offense, they need to play good defense leading up to that, right? They don't need to be behind by double digits if, if it takes them a while to get going offensively. So I, I think it starts with their defense. And it starts, and that starts with their perimeter defense. They've, they've got to be able to defend better, um, you know, at the three-point line. You know, they, they've just got to have better plan and they've got to have better execution. Right. Well, and, you know, we're looking at, at this team that we have this year and obviously tough schedule going forward. Uh, here in Auburn, we, we tend to talk a lot about football recruiting, but there's also basketball yeah. recruiting going on. Uh, yeah. Some big-name guys out there on the border right now. Are, are you seeing that with Bruce Pearl? Is he kind of realizing that there's going to have to be some things revamped with some guys that he's bringing in here? And just kind of what are your thoughts on what Bruce is doing on that recruiting trail right now? Well, well speaking of that, you know, Bruce and his coaching staff continue to do a great job on the recruiting trail. And uh, Todd Pettiford, um, a four-star, number 21, I think, player in the country in the 24 class. He's announcing, he's from New Jersey, he's announcing tomorrow afternoon, and I think Auburn's the team to beat there. You know, he's a guy, he's a guard that can shoot uh, and make shots, so that's, that, that could be a very big addition to this team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do think, um, you, know, uh, you know, Coach Bruce Pearl is known for, for having smaller guards, right? Yeah, he, right. He's had a history of developing those guys into great players. But I think Auburn may have one too many on this year's team. You know, they need, they're getting hurt in the matchups, right? They're right. getting hurt when they don't have somebody who can match up against a, you know, a 6'5 guard or even a 6'3 dude that, that, that plays real physical. So, um, yeah, I, I do think they, and I, you know, they, it's not like they don't try to get big guards. Sometimes, you know, they'll be a five star they're chasing. They just, you know, lose that recruitment. It happens, you know. When you're big boy recruiting, as, as Bruce Pearl and his staff do, sometimes you just don't win them all. But, um, yes, I, I think there's a, a recognition that they need to 
uh, you know, get some bigger guards, especially that two position. I think that's something you'll see in the future. Well, and as you mentioned, Brian, sometimes they just miss. And one of the painful things about the West Virginia game was that they tried to get Eric Stevenson out of the portal from South Carolina, and obviously he was able to take advantage of his size there. We also talk about a guy like Aiden Holloway who got his fifth star or is a five-star guy, uh, Mm -hmm. got invited to the McDonald's All-American. He is already an Auburn commit. It seems that no matter what this team is, because they obviously had the rough year two years ago, they had a a big bounce-back year, number one team in the country at times last year. It seems that Bruce Pearl has been very steady on the recruiting trail no matter what. It's safe to say at this point, I assume, Brian, that that until Bruce Pearl's gone, this recruiting is going to continually one. it seems like one-up itself in terms of top-rated recruits they've gotten, full classes. Just take us inside the continued momentum, no matter really the results on the court that particular year uh, of the guys that they are talking to and, and getting visits and commits from. I think that's absolutely true. I think their recruiting has gotten better for, for high school recruiting, absolutely. As the program's you know becoming more and more high-profile, the recruiting's got better. More people are seeing Auburn as a destination place for, for high-caliber basketball players, right? Uh, you know, I think the thing um, that needs to happen, though, because Auburn's never going to sign as many five-stars as, as Kentucky or Kansas or some of these schools. That's just not going to happen. But what happened, you know, back in... 2018, right? Some guys that they signed like Jared Harper and Bryce Brown and, um, uh, you know, Wachuma was fairly high recruited, but not hugely recruited, right? Those guys developed, right? They became better players every year and, uh, you know, were, were the big part of that um, Final Four run. So they need to continue to go out these great athletes. You know, some of them are one and done. And they also need to hit, you know, with these transfers or, or some of the kids they bring in that maybe aren't super highly recruited and hope some of the guys develop a little bit better than maybe some of the current guys have. Talking to Brian Matthews right now of Auburn Rivals, AuburnSports.com. Brian, uh, let's keep talking recruiting, but let's go to the football aspect of things. Junior Day uh, was this past weekend and read a lot about just the sheer numbers uh, of players that were coming onto the planes. Just give us some insight on on just how many people were at Auburn over the weekend and, and some of the big targets that Auburn's looking at. Well, it was around 200, and that's in sharp contrast to the 13 or so that showed up, you know, a year ago. <laughs> it's just <laughs> crazy. Amazing <laughs> the difference, right? Um, and, you know, there were a lot of good kids there. I'm not the, you know, the recruiting expert anymore. We got guys uh, on our staff to do that, but I will tell you that one of the guys that was there, Jaden Lewis uh, from Aniston, uh, a cornerback, nickel, a terrific kick and punt returner. Uh, he is going to announce tomorrow, and I believe Auburn is the team to beat there. Uh, he had a terrific uh, visit. I uh, talked to him afterwards and sporting that Auburn gear and uh, feel really good about Auburn's chances there. So I think that'll be the first uh, commitment uh, in the 24 class from that junior day. Um, and I think that'll be the second overall. Mon Lane was there. He's the kid that committed last year uh, out of Moody. Uh, and he was there helping recruit other kids. And I think once Jaden commits, he's going to do the same thing. So uh, a pretty good start here in the 24 class for this group. And if they get keep getting this type of turnout, it's going to result in them getting some really good commitments and, and building a really good 24 class. 200 compared to 13. That is a uh, that's yeah. quite the difference there. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and that was something I was going to ask. And I, I know we we have to be hesitant not to just completely throw specific individuals under the proverbial bus, but right. what, has, what, what has changed? I mean, this just seems like night and day difference between – 
what this staff is doing or attempting to do and what the previous staff was trying to do? I mean, what's changed? I, I mean, I, I've used the phrase dereliction of duty when it comes to Brian Harsin and his recruiting. I just That's just the way I feel about it. Yeah. You know, I can't explain his motivations or why he was the way he was, but uh, the organization wasn't there. The people that he put in charge of it really didn't know what they were doing. I mean, some of these junior days they tried to have were thrown together last minute. I don't think they were even going to have the um, uh, Big Cat weekend until they got into uh, you know, a situation where they, they needed help recruiting, so they decided to put together at the last minute. It's just, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think he thought he could just come from Boise and um, could sign whoever he wanted to and, and, and turn them into great players. That's not happening in this conference. You've got to go out there and compete for the five stars in order to do that. You've got to have a coach like Hugh Freeze, who's the tip of the spear, who's out there calling these kids, visiting these kids, recruiting these kids, and that's what he's doing. And it makes the whole uh, recruiting enterprise so much better when you have a head coach that does that. And in my 22 years, it's just it's hard to find a head coach that's willing to do that because once you climb that ladder, uh, ladder excuse me, uh, in the coaching ranks, you know, you work your tail off recruiting as assistant and, you know, all the stuff you go through and you want to work it up and then you're the man in charge in charge of all those people – you want to start handing that recruiting off to your assistants, and you know that doesn't work. You cannot send um, Mr. Joe Blow, assistant, to recruit this five-star when you're going head-to-head with Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and, and you know other top high-profile right. head coaches. It doesn't work. You've got to be out there uh, as the head coach going for these five stars, and that's what you freeze is doing. A different day on the Plains for sure, Brian. And uh, last question before we get you out of here. Uh, Just a couple weeks from the start of baseball season, obviously another great season for Butch Thompson and his baseball team last year. Just what fires you up about this team? And and I've seen that there's a lot of SEC teams ranked really highly. Auburn is not one of them in the preseason polls. But, But again, Brian, just a couple weeks away from baseball season. Well, that's one thing to get fired up about. It's going to be a great, great um, SEC season, right? There's so many great players in this league, whether they're high school players of school signed or, you know, LSU went out and signed a bunch of really good transfers too. So did Auburn. I think Auburn's going to have a very explosive lineup, one through nine. I think there's some great competition. It's going to be a lot of depth. So if somebody slumps a little bit here or there, gets injured, they're going to have, have guys ready to step in um, right away. I think Ike Irish is going to be a special freshman. You know, we've seen some special freshmen come come along at Auburn. I think he's going to be one of those guys. And I think people are going to be excited to see Nate LaRue. He's changed his batting stance. He was Auburn's leading hitter uh, during fall uh, practice. And, uh, of course, he's already one of the best defensive uh, catchers in the country. Uh, So you you get that bat going, and he can be a special, special player, too. So, um, I think there are reasons to be excited. The, the key is going to get the pitching staff to come together. Got a lot of talent there. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez, um, of course, is the number one. Slowed a little bit at the starter practice, uh, which is a slight shoulder issue, but uh, it's the same thing he had last year. So I would expect him to be ready, if not week one, by week two of the season, that trip to USC. Uh, so I think this is going to be a fun team, and I think it's going to get better as the season goes on, as these young pitchers and these transfer pictures start to come together as a staff. He's Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals, AuburnSports.com. Brian, uh, the time is greatly appreciated. Preview what you got ahead uh, with you and the crew there at Auburn Rivals. Well, it's going to be a really busy two days. Um, I mentioned Jaden Lewis' uh, commitment. Um, 
uh, he had a full commitment both tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb is going to sign with Auburn tomorrow afternoon. We have some guys there for that. And then Thursday, we get you freeze and all the assistant coaches. So that's going to be, you know, a whole bunch of interviews and a whole bunch of information coming out, you know, Thursday and the days following. Plus, of course, we got the big basketball game tomorrow night against Georgia. So all that and more on AuburnSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at BMATAU. Thank you uh, very much for the time today, Brian, and we look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, bud. That is Brian Matthews there of AuburnSports.com, Auburn Rivals. They're joining us here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. With that, let's take our next timeout of the show. More Sports Call coming up after the timeout. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lavoie and Tom Peavy with you here. About halfway home on this Tuesday afternoon. We appreciate Brian Matthews of AuburnSports.com and Auburn Rivals for joining us. He's one of the good ones. Uh, he called they're, you all le- good, they're all good ones. Is he a little more good because he called you a legendary? Or He did call me legendary, yeah. I don't, yeah, get, called cool. leg- I don't get called legendary about much of anything that I do. So, well, that's nice. I will say around the office, your Wednesday meal selections are legendary. Oh, okay. Because most of the time it is steak and taters, and we right. all aspire to have steak and taters every day pretty much. I had steak twice right. this weekend. It was one of the great weekends I've had in some time. So, so that's so, legendary, your, so your meal selection. Yeah, so it's not my voice. It's not what I bring to the show. It's not It's not. Uh, it's not, <laughs> not my meal selection is legendary. Well, and, okay, well, other great things about Tom PV2 is that yeah you bring in mount i don't know if people oh, yeah. know this oh, yeah, the mountain that much. Dew thing uh every time there's a new mountain dew flavor which by the way folks there's a new mountain dew flavor almost every single month that exists just about uh tom brings it in we all we all try it i think there's not been a mountain dew that we've disliked there's been a bunch of just been okay there was a christmas one two last year maybe the gingerbread, gingerbread? is like the gingerbread okay. one i think it was last christmas that was like mm, that nah. that one was the weakest one but aside from that you bring them in. We try. There's not a lot of home runs, but there's a lot of singles. Yeah. A lot of nice hit sure. base hits up the middle. And uh, I think there are, you know, I think that's that's reason for legendary status. All so, right. I'll take it. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I'll take what I can get these days. Well, and, and between that and Brian Matthews, we're about to have it all covered with what, <laughs> what you bring to the table on the show, what you brought to the table before you did the show. Uh, what you bring in before the show to the, the right. station. So about to cover all of our bases there. All right, uh, time for birthdays and sports today. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Maybe you start bringing in cupcakes for people's birthdays or 
You know, um, if Mountain Dew ever infuses themselves a, into a food a, item. A cupcake flavored Mountain Dew. I don't know if that'd be good. I don't know good. if that'd be good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd try it, though, if you oh, brought yeah, it. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthdays, Nolan Ryan turned 76, one of the great pitchers of all time. Ryan was born in Texas and after a successful high school, high school career was drafted by the Mets in the 12th round of the 1965 draft. Made his debut a year later, began his career as perhaps the most dominant pitcher in the sport, played 26 seasons in Major League Baseball, was an eight-time All-Star, two-time National League ERA leader, 11-time MLB strikeout leader. He could throw it past you. One-time World Series champion. His numbers retired by the Angels, Astros, and Rangers, making him one of three players to have his number retired by three or more teams. He holds the MLB record for strikeouts, 5,714 strikeouts in the great career of Nolan Ryan, which also contains seven no-hitters. He was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1999. Not even first ballot. That's stupid. Nolan Ryan turns 76 today. What was crazy is everybody remembers Nolan Ryan, but, I mean, a lot of people remember the fight against Robin Ventura. He was 46 years old. And Robin Ventura was, trying to throw hands. Yeah, Robin Ventura was 21. Nolan Ryan was 46, and he tried to rush them out. Listen, on young him. man. Nolan Ryan gave him a good old Texas beatdown. Yeah, that was that, in August 4th of 1993. Legend, absolute legend. Nolan Ryan turned 76 today. Doug Peterson turns 55. He's the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Peterson was born in Washington, where he was an All-State selection in football, basketball, and baseball. Played college football at Northeast Louisiana. We met several school records. He played in the NFL and NFL Europe for 12 seasons, mostly as a backup. Won Super Bowl 31 with the Packers. He retired from the NFL, went into coaching, became a head coach in 2016 with the Eagles, and won the Super Bowl uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl 52. Doug Peterson turns 55 today. Mario Williams turns 38, former NFL defensive end. Williams was born in North Carolina, where he was an all-state selection. He played college football at NC State, where he played three seasons and set the school's all-time sack record, which stood until 2017. His number nine is retired by the Wolfpack. He was drafted first overall by the Houston Texans in 2006 and played 11 seasons in the National Football League, six in Houston. Three-time All-Pro and four-time Pro Bowler Mario Williams turns 38 today. And Shirley Babishoff turns 66 today, former Olympic swimmer. Babishoff competed in her first Olympic Games in 1976 at 19 and her second in 1976 and it was second in 1976. During her time as Olympic swimmer, she won three gold medals and six silvers. Believes she would have won several more medals if not for rampant steroid use by some other countries. Didn't know that. She set 37 national records and six world records during her time as a competitor. Shirley Babishoff turns 66 today and those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show. We've got a lot of sports news to hit on on the other side of this break. Two NFL head coaching hires, some news on maybe who will become the next TV voice of the Atlanta Braves. Stay tuned. A lot of that and more next coming up on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. 
This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. If you're just joining us, we talked to Brian Matthews just about a half hour ago. If you missed that, check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. And a lot more to do here on this Tuesday edition of the show. Of course, you can give us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. But next, we, we go to some NFL news here, Tom. We got two head coaching hires that happened in the 3 o'clock hour. Could not get to... Um, but we will get to them now. Let's start with, I think, the most significant one, or at least the one making a, a few more waves. It's always fun when you have a head coach that has to be acquired and therefore draft compensation has to be given. But that is what has happened in the NFL today as the Denver Broncos are hiring Sean Payton, the former Saints head coach, to be their next head coach. So here is the the draft deal. The Broncos get Sean Payton and the Saints' 2024 third-round pick, and the Saints get the first-round pick of the Broncos in 2023, so that's this year, and a second-round pick in 2024. So basically a first and a second for Payton and Peyton in a third. Right. Uh, the Broncos, remember, already gave up a ton of draft compensation for Russell Wilson last offseason. That's correct. And so they're doubling down on draft picks don't matter and now uh, hiring Sean Payton. Uh, inherently, I, I think Sean Payton to be a great head coach, and I think that this can absolutely work. But I do worry about just the sheer draft capital that they're losing. I'm going to go back and and research exactly what was traded in Russell Wilson. But, I mean, they did not have a first-round pick last year. They're not going to have it now this year. I thought they gave up multiple firsts for Russell Wilson, so I don't think they have it next year. They just gave up their second-round pick. Uh, I mean, and, and by the way, with a team that was not good this year and that Russell Wilson, Wilson clearly declined on, uh, what? Yeah, I mean, a. I, let's think from Sean Payton's perspective. Right. Is this the right move for Sean Payton? I, I mean, if he's ready to get back into coaching, yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, but it, there's it, problems here. This is not a great uh, situation, in no, my opinion. No, it's not. But I mean, it was not a great situation when he first took over in New Orleans, uh, and he was able to get some good things out of them. I, I think it's fine. Um, I, I mean, unless you're one of the upper echelon teams in the NFL right now, you're all going to have problems. And sorry, the upper echelon teams are not going to be firing their coach right now because they're in the upper echelon, unless one retires like a Belichick or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he's ready to get back into it, then, yeah, there's there's problems there. But I think that they, they can get things worked out. I just think it's just weird. that I think this whole situation is – it's so weird. The fact that uh, Peyton was still under contract with the Saints, d- despite the fact that he was not even coaching them anymore. I mean, he's been a studio analyst for Fox Sports this entire season, but yet he was still under contract with the Saints. Therefore, whenever they get hired, they have to get the contract from the Saints, which then leads to all the the draft picks and everything like that. It, it's just 
it, that's just weird. Very, very bizarre that you hire a guy that was not currently a head coach, but yet you still have to do all the draft picks and everything's because of the contract. Just a, a weird, weird, weird situation all around there. Yeah, so the Broncos were going to have a late first-round pick this year because of the Bradley Chubb trade with Miami. Uh, they that's the that's the first round pick that's going to New Orleans. They already did not own their first round pick. Uh, the Seahawks did, so the Seahawks have that top ten, maybe even top five selection. Double check that. And then I'm still looking for the exact Russell Wilson trade. But my my thing here is you've got no draft capital, re- relatively speaking. You don't have the the top picks here. You have a quarterback that's clearly on the back half of his career. So, in other words, there's a chance that Russell Wilson's just not going to be Russell Wilson again. And there's a chance that he is permanently declining here. Yeah. And, again, how you usually go about getting something new is you use a top pick to draft a new franchise quarterback. There's not an abundance of franchise caliber quarterbacks that ever hit the market. I mean, right. uh, we've had an uptick in that the last few years because we've had this weird situation where, like, Brady and Rodgers, two of the greats, have kind of played longer than really what's precedented. And so when guys get up towards, you know, 40 years old, the teams start to have doubts on if long-term this is what should happen. And Look, to be fair, the Patriots ended up wrong because Brady's somehow a cyborg. But nevertheless, like Brady and Rodgers, they really only hit free agency because they got old. Uh, And and to be fair, Rodgers still hasn't moved teams yet. I'm almost pronouncing his Packers tenure over here. There's been no trade. He might very well still continue with the Packers. But this Russell Wilson trade and the Brady movement, and then the possibility that Lamar Jackson hits free agency here, either this offseason or next season, um, is is about as plentiful as it gets. I mean, you're, um, Mahomes ain't moving unless he right. has years of injuries. You know, sure. I mean, Peyton Manning was never going to move off the Colts, but he had that neck injury. The Colts doubt if he'd ever play again. Um, there's a lot of guys that play all of their prime years in the NFL at one team, even some average quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, uh, a, a guy like Stafford was in Detroit double-digit years before he, he then moved to the Rams. He's 33, 34 years right. old. So m- my thought here is that it's just going to be hard to rebuild it if Russell Wilson has truly declined. Now, if he can coach Russell Wilson back up to what he was in Seattle – Right. And they can get Seattle Russell Wilson, and they can get him because he's not ancient. I think Wilson's like 34-ish or so. If they can get three or four more years out of him, okay, then I can see a pathway here. But let me bring up this other important important point. You know who's in that division? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know who's in that division? Justin Herbert. Yeah. Okay, so this is a tough division. This is not something where if you improve Russell Wilson, you're automatically winning divisions and going to be awesome. Right. If you improve Russell Wilson, that will put you in wild card condition. That will not mean you're going to go beat Kansas City uh, or maybe even uh, the Chargers. So my question is just why, why, why did Peyton feel like it was now? Did he just want out of New Orleans really bad so he needed a reset for a year and then I'm going to jump back in? Like, 
Mm. I'm trying to get in his psyche a little bit because this just didn't feel like the situation that you would right. walk away from in New Orleans. Because I mean, hell, he could have. You saw Dennis Allen go like seven and ten or whatever it was this year with with a revolving door at quarterback with Andy Dalton half the year. Right. I, they they were better than Broncos this year. Dennis Allen was their coach. Uh, he he may. He may look at the situation and specifically with Russell Wilson and think that that's something that he can rejuvenate and get going. Uh, you know, a lot of these coaches are um, they. It's difficult to get into their psyche, but I mean, there's a lot of guys that take pride in going to a team that is struggling so that they can be the ones to get them going back instead of just jumping into a winner and trying to keep it afloat. You go into a situation. Maybe that's what Peyton wants. Is that. I can go into this one and I can get Denver. It's a very proud team. It's a very proud franchise with a great fan base. Sure. You know, hey, I can be the guy, and it's a very for for very selfish reasons, but I can be the guy that can go in there. I can make Russell Wilson the guy that everybody knows he can be, even though he is in uh, what is about to be in his 12th season, 13th season. I think, yeah, I'll um, check that. Uh, 13th, uh, 11, wait, let's see. Uh, it, it will be his 12th season. Uh, yeah, last year was his 11th season, his first with Denver. Um, so, you know. And he is 34, by the way. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the, you know, it could it could be just for very selfish reasons of, I think I can be the guy to get this going back in the right direction. And if that's the case, then good on him. You know, I – I applaud that type of uh, uh, willingness to want to do that, especially, again, for a very proud franchise, a historic franchise like the Denver Broncos. Yeah, it's going to be tough, and I, and I think everybody in Denver, the, the, uh, the people in the Denver front office and even the fan base are going to have to understand that this is not going to happen overnight. Um, I'm sure that's probably something that was discussed with uh, Sean Payton is that this is not going to be an over-the-night overnight fix. It's going to take a little bit, and we're going to have to get the draft picks and all in here. Uh, the other thing, though, that also kind of now switching to why Payton, Sean Payton would take this job, apparently he was, just from reading uh, from stuff that uh, Ian Rappaport said, it was like he, he's not, he was not even like their third or fourth pick. Like everybody else turned him down. And uh, then he was like, "Okay, I'll take it." Really? So that, that so he was not the Broncos' first first pick. Was it probably D'Amico Ryan's? D'Amico Ryan's yeah. was definitely. Uh, and we we'll get to in a second. Well, uh, D'Amico Ryan's, but uh, according to this, even uh, um, uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, says that they flew to Ann Arbor two weeks ago to make another push for uh, Jim Harbaugh. And that's that why didn't... Michigan had to do the comedy routine of like everyone from the AD yeah. to the president saying, "No, Harbaugh stay," and we swear, I, we, we're we're very excited for Harbaugh to stay. Yeah, I mean, it says. I mean, again, I'm just reading a story here from uh, from this NFL website. Um, they interviewed eight candidates uh, from the college ranks: Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw, and the coordinator pool: um, uh, Ejero, Evero, Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryan's. And veteran head coaches Jim Caldwell and Sean Payton. Um, so uh, yeah, they flew out to they flew out to try to get Jim Harbaugh. They they really targeted uh, D'Amico Ryan's. Apparently, they wanted him, but uh, that wasn't happening. The Harbaugh thing didn't happen. Looks like a couple of these others and didn't see, happen. Again, so they're like, all right, well let's let's get Sean Payton. And here's my other point. Here is like I always f- felt Payton to be a proud guy. If you're not, if right. he wasn't the first option or even the second option. 
you would have felt a little insulted at the end of the day. And also, by the way, multiple job, multiple guys declining this job. I mean, I know they were reaching big, but again, I think the writing's on the wall there. This is not one of the more desirable jobs that, that becomes open. No. I mean, I and I know, I know the deal about about head coaches getting fired off of bad teams usually, but right. this bad team doesn't have its draft capital. Yeah. That's my point. He, here's actually even worse, uh, according to um, Rappaport on here. Uh, he 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 reported Tuesday. Wait. That today is today. Is today is yep. Tuesday. The last day of uh, January. Um, yeah, it is Tuesday. Uh, Denver started to negotiate with uh, started to negotiate a Peyton deal, and then they made a last ditch last ditch effort to get D'Amico Ryan's. Even after they started to negotiate with Sean Payton, they still made a last ditch effort to try to get D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, I'd no show the but, press conference and decline the decline well, to sign if I'm Payton. But then that leads you into another coaching change that we have not discussed just yet but um yeah i mean it sounds like sean payton again i the very proud i can take this team uh i can take a russell wilson and i can get him back up to where he needs to be and i can make this into something i can develop this team into this and and i think i'm the guy that can do that and that's what i like to do is take the take the bad and make it good instead of just jumping into a good and keeping it going if that's the case Good on him, but then you know when you really look at it and you think about all the guys that the Broncos went after and struck out on, it feels like they kind of settled on Sean Payton. Yeah, and, and you see, I I just have a higher respect for Payton than that. Maybe it's because he thumped my bucks for a decade plus. <laughs> I don't know, but right. But uh, I just viewed him as one of the top coaches in the league. I felt like he should have gotten the most desirable job open whenever it was it was time for him to come back. And I just I don't judge that to be. Uh, what's happened in this scenario now uh, again to clarify the draft capital what what the Broncos uh, sent to Seattle was in this trade last offseason they sent last year's first round pick this year's first round pick last year's second round pick and this year's second round pick and last year's fifth round pick so they gave up their first and second rounders for both last year and this year and a fifth rounder from last year. They reacquired a first round pick in a in a separate trade, but that's what's being sent to New Orleans, like the 29th pick in the draft, something like that. And then they're giving up next year's second round pick. So they they will go three straight years without a second round pick and two out of three years without a first round pick. So that's the official draft capital situation there with Denver. Moving on to the Houston Texans. Their job was filled filled today, excuse me, by the aforementioned D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans has been the def- defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers for uh, the last couple of years. Before that, he had worked his way up the 49ers staff, so he never coached anywhere but San Francisco right. starting in 2017. But, of course, if you remember his playing career, his most notable time was as a Houston Texan who drafted him out of Alabama in the first pick of the second round in 2006. So this is a coming home of sorts for D'Amico Ryans, who spent his first six or so years in the NFL with the Texans. And, of course, according to the reports you just read, Tom, he was the number one target for the Broncos, too. A very sharp defensive guy, given a lot of credit for what San Francisco's built defensively in recent years. Uh, but he opts to go to Houston uh, over Denver. Yeah. Um, really the the hottest commodity of, of coordinators out there. Everybody wanted D'Amico Ryans. I mean, he is the he is the hottest named coach out there. Now here's the thing. 
And this is where people are going to watch what happens with Houston because what they have done with their last previous black head coaches is basically use them. Use them to uh, check the box and do what they have to do to get the uh, what's the, the, the draft pick, the, the draft pick yep. right, and then ship them on. Are, are they moving on from that now? What was it? Lovey Smith was the last? Yep. And so uh, that's where people are going to look at with, with D'Amico, you know, and, and uh, you know, surely you're not going to use D'Amico Ryan's for this. Okay, maybe Lovey Smith. <laughs> it's just Lovey Smith. Yeah. Surely to goodness you're not going to take the hottest commodity no. of coordinators and do that to him. I, I, I don't think I so. I would not imagine. They're going to. They're already on people's radar. If they do that a third consecutive time, because first it was Coley, then Smith. Right. And look, by the way, we're going to talk about this NFL draft time too. They still have the second pick. I know the first pick is special, blah, blah, blah. But worst case, you're going to get C.J. Stroud. And I'm sorry, right. but that's not a bad case in my opinion. That's no. still way – Stroud is better than any quarterback in last year's class. So that is fine that you end up with Stroud. And by the way, some teams might evaluate Stroud to be above Bryce Young. Everyone's evaluation is different. Some people freaking love Levis for some god-awful reason. But my point is is that this is not necessarily a unanimous, oh, you took this steep drop from Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud. No, a lot of people in the league think they're very similar. Obviously, Young, we have our own opinions. I know you love Bryce Young, Tom, but but – the reality is, is that this is not some like Andrew Luck and everybody else draft. You right. know, th- this is a pretty even deal here, and they might still end up with Bryce Young because the Bears might take a defensive guy first. And if they don't trade their pick, I don't know if they'll take a quarterback because they'd have to trade Justin Fields. Yeah. So it's not necessarily <laughs> this horrible thing that they're picking second. So they're going to have a young quarterback to build around, right? And that's going to take a couple years. So I don't think they'll act. D'Amico Ryan's right off right. the bat. Right. And and when you look at the draft position, uh yeah, I mean I think the Bears are I think the Bears will take a defensive player first overall. I, I don't they're not gonna fool the quarterback again. That's not gonna happen. That second pick will be a quarterback. Now, here's the question. D'Amico Ryan's played at Alabama. Does that suddenly move Bryce Young potentially up because D'Amico knows that connection with right. Bryce Young and Nick Saban and that program that he's coming from, he may be more. You know, I don't know that they play the favorites like sure. that, but but you have to think that you've got a former superstar from Alabama, and now you've got one of the best quarterbacks ever to come out of Alabama on the board. Oh yeah, does, no, does that mean, kind of, does that start maybe pushing Bryce Young up that radar towards edge, that number two spot? Maybe. I, I as long. I mean, look. I think it's very acceptable in this case, though, because like I said, they're both on even footing, and right. some people have preferences on one or the other. But it's not like oh, he took Young just because he's from Alabama. There's no way he's going to be better than Stroud. Some people have Young above Stroud, so yeah. it, it, it is a very even deal here. But, yeah, maybe that breaks a tie. I don't know. And then maybe someone trades with the Bears to take Bryce Young first overall anyway. Maybe the Bears just trade their pick. So still a lot of scenarios here. But the bottom line is D'Amico Ryans is going to get his hands on either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. He's going to be able to grow with that young quarterback. And I think this time, yes, Houston will magically let someone be employed more than 12 months but we shall see (laughs) out of time for hour number two a lot more news and notes in the sports world coming up in hour number three also look ahead to more college basketball coming up tonight stay tuned this tuesday edition of sports call continues in a few minutes
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call today on this Tuesday. I'm trying to remember how to do a third and final hour because Friday and Monday were not full shows. Yeah. So getting used to uh, doing this three-hour thing. And again, by the way, Tom, I'm going to go ahead and break some news as we start this third hour of Sports Call. This is the only third hour of the show I'm doing this week because there will be a three-hour show tomorrow. I'll be leaving at 5 o'clock, yeah. uh, leaving for you guys to, to finish it off. And then Thursday, we've got our final Borgard High School basketball game of the regular season. And uh, that will start at 5 o'clock. So we, the show won't have a third hour on Thursday. And then I'm not here on Friday, Jeez. leaving town. So just, I don't know, slacking to be, if you want to say, to Are start. Are going to have to bring JJ back? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, you know, he's going to be – on as about as many third hours as I will be uh, yeah. here this, this next week. So just kind of alerting you to that. But uh, already two hours in the books today. Let's catch you up to speed on what you missed. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Haven't done one of these in a while, Tom, but uh, first couple hours today, what all have we accomplished? Oh, well, well, we talked to Brian Matthews, and uh, that was great. He, yeah, great Called you a legend? Called me a legend? Yeah, legendary. Um, We've talked a lot about Auburn basketball, Uh, mostly men. We have discussed the women. In fact, they've had a three-game win streak. Um, but we talked a lot of uh, Auburn basketball and the fact that they've lost two in a row, trying to get bounced back against Georgia. Uh, we've talked uh, with Brian Matthews. We talked some of the football recruiting and the huge junior day that uh, that Hugh Freeze and that staff brought in. So that was good to talk about. And then we've kind of bounced around a lot of other different things. And in the, right there before the last break, we were discussing Sean Payton taking over as head coach of the Denver Broncos and D'Amico Ryan's taking over as head coach of the Houston Texans. So we have, uh, we have bounced around quite a bit. We've also had the phone calls, uh, even discussed some NASCAR with James. And uh, we, we've, we, have, we have covered a little bit of everything today, it seems like. Watching college golf on Golf Channel right now in the studio. Yeah. Uh, hockey still exists. I mean, yeah, great. A lot of a lot oh, of things wow. in the sports world. Uh, we've covered a lot of them. Um, I I do. I don't know if we'll have time for it at some point. I do want to discuss with you, Tom, uh, the, the NASCAR rule changes because that's something last year we were proud to get Chris Busher on the program. who currently competes in the Cup Series. We were able to get Steve Letarte on. We were able to get Kyle Petty on. We really enjoyed our relationship. 
uh, with some NASCAR personalities last year. We hope to continue that again this year, and they had some uh, rule changes today. But I want to start a little bit closer to home here in hour number three with uh, an update on the Atlanta Braves. Of course, we carry the games over on AM 1230 WAUD. Uh, That's your East Alabama home for the Atlanta Braves radio network. Of course, Chip Carey leaving the Braves TV booth. He was officially introduced uh, online by the Cardinals yesterday. Uh, I think 19 years uh, as an Atlanta Braves broadcaster in some yeah. form or fashion, and the last 13 with Sports South slash Bally Sports, etc. Um, so that's a, still a big vacancy that we need to figure out who's going to get filled. And, and rather quickly, we discussed at the time that Ben Ingram might be a logical move up from the radio booth. Uh, we also brought up the name Tom Hart. And a few hours ago, Mark Bowman uh, reporting that Tom Hart remains a top finalist to replace Chip Carey in the Braves television booth. Sounds like Ben Ingram will remain in his preferred role on the radio side. Oh. Ben is as good as it gets on radio. The the key sentence I emphasize there. Preferred. Preferred role on the radio so for Ben Ingram. Like he doesn't so want the TV. That, that's what I had wondered about because, again, it I cannot stress this enough. We are radio people. And I know that <laughs> I know that JJ, uh, who obviously hosts the show, does TV and radio stuff. But he would tell you this too, despite doing both. They are different it's disciplines. A, it's a different animal. I mean, they are compl- I mean, I won't say completely different. They're the same family of, of line of work, but they are a good bit different. And so, there is more of a picture to paint when you are on radio and you are calling games. You call every detail about a broadcast when you're on radio. When you're on TV, you let it breathe. People can see. You just add some color to what they're seeing. But when you're on radio, you describe everything. And some people like to do that more than the other, or vice versa. And so if this tweet is correct from Mark Bowman, and he's a great reporter, that's why I felt the need to read his tweet verbatim there, then that could be the case for Ben Ingram. He prefers the radio site. If that is true, I'm telling you what. I would love Tom Hart to be the the Braves TV guy. Uh, Tom Hart, for those that don't remember, because everyone's gotten very familiar with him at SEC Network, ESPN, he's done college football game, that really fun crew Saturday nights with Jordan Rogers and Cole Kublik. Uh, He's done SEC baseball, usually the SEC baseball tournament. He does college basketball. But for those that forget what he did prior to that, he was a Braves host. He was the pregame host for the Braves at times. He was a dugout reporter for the Braves at times around 2010, 2011 area. So about a decade ago, Tom Hart worked with the Braves. Before that even, I was telling Tom about this. I have to go back and look up all the teams. But he was the the voice of a couple minor league baseball teams back when he was getting his career started. So Tom Hart's background here is is with baseball and in fact with tv with the braves was one of his first big gigs so the interest seems to be there and and that's personally what i'm rooting for now we also saw uh, david o'brien who 
is a big time reporter for the Braves as well. Works for the Athletic. He uh, mentioned an hour ago that he was told that Tom Hart is among two or three finalists to replace Chip Carey. Wasn't told who the other finalists are. He said Hart is a polished broadcaster with loads of experience. Not as much baseball play-by-play, but view is that he has enough to do the job well. I, again, I went over some credentials. He's definitely done baseball at various levels. Yeah. Um, but so there appears to be two or three finalists, which Tom Hart is one of. But again, Tom, I don't know who those other finalists are, but I'm I'm rooting for Tom Hart here yeah. to be the next guy. Well, we've all gotten to know him. Uh, he has served as a broadcaster for the Winston-Salem Warthogs and the Tennessee Smokies. Okay. Um, and uh, I think I told you Sod Poodles off air. Maybe I just saw that in an yeah, unrelated thing. But yeah. Sod Poodles, fun name. You remember sure. it. But. Amarillo. Uh-huh. The Amarillo Sod Poodles. <laughs> But uh, Smokies, there you go, double A. Tennessee Smokies, yep, double A. And the Winston-Salem Warthogs uh, has also been the television broadcaster for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So he, he's, yeah. He, this he's, area. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got that stuff in this area. But, uh, yeah, he's got the, the experience with the uh, minor league baseball. And uh, he's done a little bit of everything. And yeah, I, I like Tom Hart. He's, he's, he's a guy that's been around for quite a while and has made a name for himself. And as we mentioned, uh, host uh, Braves live host and field reporter from 2011 to 2014. So he's familiar with the Atlanta Braves. Yep. Yeah, I, I, this would be uh, I, again. I would I would be very excited about this. And uh, you know, some people wondering what what's going on with Jim Powell on the radio side of things. Again, don't know really the particulars of that because obviously Jim Powell had been doing the majority of, of Braves radio network games, and then. Uh, introduced was Ben Ingram, and now Ben Ingram is is the official radio voice, and Jim Powell still does a few select games. So I I guess there was room there to promote and and have Ingram do TV and then Powell return to primary radio. But um, for whatever reason, you know, that, that, that part of it's not happening with Powell getting more involved. And so... You, you still have Ben Ingram as the radio voice. We, people love Ben Ingram. I enjoy Ben Ingram, too. We've had him on the show numerous times, and we hope to do so again in the future. It would be a great conversation to have with him if, if this eventually uh, comes out uh, that uh, one way or another. But uh, I, I think that Tom Hart would do excellent. I would be a little sad to see him go off the other stuff, which I think because baseball is just so long in a season – I don't really see him doing much else. I mean, to be fair, like he could almost get away with, with doing football still because it'd be one night a week starting in September when, you know, baseball season is already in its closing stages. So I, maybe it would not be unfathomable he would retain some sort of role there. But uh, I mean, you're doing 160 60 yeah. baseball games. I think that's going to be just about it I, I actually I thought of one other name and not necessarily that he's a finalist but someone else that's kind of on the market right now Rich Walls who I was just looking him up okay yeah, Rich oh, well, look at that on the same way because I cannot see your computer yeah uh, for those that uh, are wondering and he had been the Marlins play-by-play guy and he was let go or didn't renew the contract of a couple of years ago. I think he's been doing CBS Sports Network stuff and, and that sort of thing. College football and basketball for uh-huh. CBS Sports and CBS Sports Network. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, he's available. It'd be a little weird going from Marlins to Braves just because aware of division ties there and that sort of thing. But he speculating here, he could be one of those other unnamed finalists. Right. Um, the, he has a lot more baseball experience than Tom Hart. Certainly does. I mean, a lot he's more. Been, he was the Marlins guy for a while. Also with the Angels. Angels uh, for Bally Sports, uh, three-time Emmy Award winner. Uh, yeah. 
Known for calling uh, Marlins uh, from 05 to 17. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he would be more than qualified and acceptable, too. I just – I don't know. I've, I, I've kind of uh, attached my allegiance here to, to Tom Hart, but uh, we will see what happens. Very interesting to follow, but just that's the first time we've kind of heard the news on the names, and if you put the tea leaves together, they are in the finalists. They are in the closing stages there. Uh, of figuring out who the next voice TV voice of the Atlanta Braves is going to be. Let's take our first time out here of the third and final hour of Sports Call. More of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show after the break. a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here. Fun show. Still going. About 20 or 30 minutes left. And also a PSA that coming up in just a little bit. Smith Station Panthers basketball. Their final regular season game being broadcast on our airwaves. Over on FM Talk 93.9 in in just a matter of a few minutes. Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. They are out at Russell County uh, for that Smith Station and Russell County game. So They're at Russell County? At Russell County. Oh, wow. I sent them as far away as I could. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just Goodness kidding. Gracious. Uh, That's a hike. Uh, it, it, you know, but it's only about 10 more minutes than going out to Smith Station, honestly. Yeah. So uh, sometimes people enjoy uh, the, the ability to go to some road games. And so they I are. I hope they have a good connection out there. They're, uh, don't uh, wish that on me because I'll be on the board. <laughs> I'll be trying to uh, make sure that, that they're coming through okay. So don't wish that on us, Tom. Uh, they're going to connect great. It's gonna no be bad great. juju. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but. Uh, a lot uh, still left to do here. Um, Tom, I do want to, again, get one more thought uh, before we do best and worst of the weekend. Also going to get another call or two in here, uh, too, of just uh, college basketball tonight uh, with SEC coming up and uh, four more games tonight. Mississippi State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Bama, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky, Ole Miss. Anything stand out to you there? Uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, that, that's going to be one that's interesting. Uh, A&M, obviously one of the top teams in the league right now, playing very uh, good basketball. Arkansas has been kind of a disappointment. Uh, They were expected to be one of those top teams in the league, and they just have not been able to get it done. Is this going to be where Arkansas kind of gets things turned around and and turns into that program and and team that we thought they were going to be? So that's the main one that I'm looking at. Uh, The others – what, what were the other games? There was, I know there was one on there that was like a psh, whatever game. Well, Ole Miss and who? Uh, so, well, Kentucky at Ole Miss. Yeah, uh, that'll be a blowout. Mississippi State at South Carolina, which that one's rough that's a rough watch. Yeah, that's a bottom dweller. But the A&M-Arkansas game is good, and then Bama hosts Vanderbilt. 
So kind of a kind of a yeah seems like a blowout night in the SEC, which is ripe for something weird to happen. But sure, um, yeah, I mean Bama will blow Vanderbilt out. They're favored by fifteen and a half. Yeah, Bama will blow them out. Uh, Mississippi State, South Carolina is a pillow fight. Uh, Interesting that State won on Saturday, though they were able to upset number eleven TCU. True, the that was one of somehow Mississippi State against a top twenty-five team was yeah. one of the three SEC victories in the SEC Big Twelve. Yeah, go figure. Uh, you know, I'll, the the best game is obviously going to be A and M Arkansas. It'll be curious to see that uh, that Kentucky game. I mean, it, it, is is Kentucky for real now? Are, are they have they got it figured out? Are they for real? Are are they ripe for another upset like they got beat by South Carolina? I don't think so. I I think that Kentucky has kind of gotten their kinks worked out and and whatever was ailing them i think they've gotten it figured out so i i i would expect kentucky to blow them out the a&m uh a&m arkansas is going to be really curious and like i said arkansas was supposed to be one of those competing for an sec title this year and they just have not really been able to get it done uh, a lot of a lot of the weird officiating stuff going against Arkansas. They they have that the officials have not been kind to Arkansas this year. There, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on with them, but um, you know this is the chance for Arkansas to kind of turn that corner and get themselves. You just hate to see it. I know. I just hate it. Uh, it it all it's all cyclical there because I I would tell you that for a few years there going to Bud Walton Arena. And expecting a single call to go your way as the road team would be laughable because it just would not ever pan out that way. So they're kind of getting a um, a reverse course of that. And honestly, like I don't, I just don't think Musselman rubs anyone the right way. No, he not, does not, not fans, not officials, and, and players take on the mantra and, and the attitude of their coach. And look, Musselman's edgy. He's chippy. Sure. You know, and that's what Arkansas is. And so that reputation uh, precedes you, then the refs are going to stop giving you. I mean, they, they kind of know how the teams factor in. Once they ref these teams enough, I mean, some of these refs will ref the same team eight, nine times in a year. Right. Then you're going to start to pick up trends there and and how they're called. So certainly um, – a change of direction there. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show today, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins the program. Daryl, how are you doing? Uh, you know why I call it towards the end of the show? I do not. Because I take you off topic. Last time I talked about Stan Lee's 100th birthday. Right, right. And then my topic today is sports-related, pickleball. Okay. I, I love me some pickleball yeah. now. Well, I was reading in a local paper. I usually read them like three or four uh, days behind schedule. Uh, the Opelika Pickleball Association gave the city of Opelika a check for $60,000. Oh, wow. I, and evidently, they host tournaments and yes, they've they got do. a great facility yep. over there i guess i don't uh, know i can yeah, i can plex. i can vouch for that i played that facility almost once a week really okay. yes i do okay and i know jj was real big in pickleball and some of you guys are big into it um and the first time i saw a pickleball game was in dean road wreck i guess that was just in the early days four or five years ago and it just looked like big Ping pong or racquetballs on a shortened court, 
Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll tell you what, Daryl. I mean, we, we all, uh, Tom just said he loved him some pickleball. I, you know, I play with JJ a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have a, a good little group that goes out there and that facility Do y'all is play pickleball. Yeah. hundred percent. What? You play pickleball? I have. I, I used to a uh-huh. lot back before pickleball was ever even a thing. Yeah. We've been playing for like six months now, uh, learning things on the fly here. We will we'll discuss that in, in just a second. But yeah, Daryl, so that facility is really nice. They've got like 24 courts out there. It's semi-covered. Um, and, and we've noticed that just the sport as a whole is growing, not only here in the Auburn Opelika area, but just nationally. The Major League Pickleball just signed a deal with, I think, like CBS to broadcast pickleball tournaments on CBS. So that the sport is just growing as a whole. Well, I mean, according to the newspaper article, I didn't realize I was that big. You know, they got tournaments over at where's the Opelika facility at? Yeah, it's uh, it's a few exits down, so you have to go uh, you have to go past Tiger Town, past the Opelika Hertzboro exit, past the next exit, and so I think it's the fourth Opelika exit. Uh, you take a left off that uh, that exit, and you go. There's a new roundabout there with a gas station, uh, two gas stations there, and then the sportsplex is right down the road from there. So it's a, it's about, uh, like I said, it's about four exits uh, down at Opelika. Is it where the Walmart distribution center is? Oh, exit sixty six, I think. I'm not sure about that one. Anderson maybe exit. Road maybe is, exit. What they used to call it. Maybe exit sixty four. I think 64, okay. yeah. Because I know where 62 and 63 is. But, no, I know exactly what X. I'm just curious, you know, sure. uh, uh, Auburn Parks, I mean, not Auburn Parks, Opelika Parks and Rec, you know, they've got the facility on Conry Road or whatever past Southern Union. And uh, I didn't realize they are advanced. And then I know Auburn Parks and Rec has got a couple of pickleball courts uh, behind the Frank Brown Rec Center. Yes, yeah, so like I yeah, said, I they're popping up all over the place. I mean, they're it's one of the largest, yeah. quickest growing sports. But I mean, I was playing pickleball in 1995 in PE. Really? Yeah, man, you're the OG then. Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I was, I, it just fascinated me when I first saw it indoors at uh, Dean Road Rec. You know, I don't even know. Well, it's not even a rec center anymore. It just have parks and back there but uh i was just amazed and i have not disabilities but i'm physically challenged in my knee and my shoulder is it not as taxing on your knees and shoulders exactly there's far less movement in pickleball because you usually play it with a partner and again as you noted the court is much smaller than tennis the ball is kind of more of like a wiffle ball um, and, and your paddle is a little bit smaller, but everything happens a little bit slower uh, for the most part than in tennis. And so there's, I've seen people uh, of all kinds out there. I've seen, um, t- I've seen teenage girls. I've seen 60-year-old men. I've seen everything in between. I mean, it, it is a sport where you, you can play it with, with very little to no movement. Okay. So, like a fifty-nine-year-old person like me has got a bad shoulder and bad knee could play it with a partner. Absolutely. Well, I'm not very social. Well, the only time I'm social is at a part-time job at a restaurant downtown. And every time I mention where I work, I get embarrassed because service is 
say where I work at, but uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll just, it was amazing how much money the Opelika pickleball money gave the city of Opelika, and I didn't realize it was that big a deal. Yeah, yeah. It it's is, become a big thing. It is amongst all all kinds of people. You know, and because the generation of athletes are, are getting older, it sounds like it appeals to young people and older people too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, uh, we've we've been playing it a lot, but again, I, I know I have friends, parents that that play quite frequently uh, out there, and so it, it it really is again a sport um, that wide ranges of people can play. Okay. Well, I'll research it on Google. I guess well, you, you have to have a partner. You don't have singles. You have doubles. Uh, you can have singles, but then you just start to move around a lot more. So if you if you want that if you want that element where you don't have to run a lot, or if you want to be able to stand still a good bit, then you kind of you need that partner. Okay. Now, I won't deviate. You know, since you know I hadn't uh, had my truck operational kind of on purpose, but. I just noticed bicycling helps my knee quite a bit, you know, and I'm encouraging people to do pickleball or bicycle. And I kind of fix up bikes for people that doesn't have, uh, I don't know, I get a lot of disabled bikes and I sort of, that's kind of my side, that's not my side one. I just fix them up, put them together and give them to people that can't afford them, you know. So that's kind of my contribution. Contribution. Well, yeah. I mean, I get some enjoyment out of it. I like building things and fixing things. So it is what it is. But I'll let you guys go. You can talk about whatever. You know, I just, uh, that's the reason I talk at the end of the show. You can't, you don't realize things to talk about. But, and then your show tomorrow, the Georgia game starts at, what, 5.30? Yeah, that's airtime over on FM Talk 93.9. will be at 5.30 and tip off at 6. Okay. Well, I guess I'll listen to you guys about 529, okay? Sounds very good. All right. You guys have a great day. Bye. You too, Daryl. Appreciate the phone call. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, so uh, so my senior, I know definitely senior year of high school, which was 1995, we were playing pickleball in P.E., and I was actually beating people so much that the head coach came over and wanted to play against me, and I beat him. Oh, yeah, the head. Well, the, I said the head coach, the head football coach. He was the head football coach, baseball coach, the main guy running the whole PE thing. Yeah, came over because I. Yeah, I was just beating everybody, and he's going to come over and put me in my place in pickleball, and I beat him. There you go. So yeah, yeah no, OG I'm, pickleball player. Yeah, here. no, I'm not kidding. We've been playing for dating back to about July no the last kidding. year. Once per week, you yep. have your own paddle now. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it's serious. Own balls, own paddle. Yeah. Uh, now I will say that uh, JJ hooked us up with that because right. that's uh, that's how he rolls. But uh, <laughs> no, he's awesome like that. But uh, yeah, no, we've we've legitimately played uh, every every week. What about once a week? Uh, usually, sometime middle of the week, get together, play for two to three hours. We usually outlast any, any other group that's out there, which is funny. Right. And uh, yeah, it's a good time because, you know, we, you know, that the thing about it is, and you know this from playing it, like Daryl said, you can play pretty stationary. You have partners, you play up towards the kitchen. Right. You can end up not moving a lot, but you could also play uh, back a little bit more uh, and then you can end up running 
uh, and these quick bursts to the right. side or up towards the kitchen or or back they try and hit it over you and that sort of thing and so uh it's like tennis for people that don't understand pickleball it's like tennis on a much smaller court yeah. uh, same rules really apply right uh, as far as uh you still got to serve it in the opposite square right. and uh, you know the the th- only thing is we're talking about a kitchen. There's a line that goes across the court that, that you can't cross. Right, right. Well, that you can't hit one inside of unless it. Uh, well, I mean, you can cross it trying to get to a ball that's already oh, right. hit the ground, but right. uh, you just can't spike one basically in the kitchen right. that sort of thing. But um, yeah, well, I when's last? Do you play it all now or just no, the? So the last time I would have the last time I would have played pickleball would have been. Uh, probably before I came to Auburn, because I know at Columbus State, uh, my first couple years of college, before I came to Auburn, I was playing some pickleball over there. But again, okay. that that would have been 96, 96, 97. Uh, there was never really an opportunity to play any sort of pickleball around here that I ever saw. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it would have been my senior year of high school and first couple years in college at columbus state that we were playing pickleball and and again at that time nobody was playing pickleball it it was a weird sport and all of a sudden over the last few years it has like really turned into this thing and i'm like man i was playing that back in the 90s like i you know had no idea you know what tom that was going to turn into such a thing and the spirit of uh, brian matthews calling you legendary earlier you started this, Tom. You're you're right. the, you're you're the OG. You're the you're the original OG. legend here. I am, I am the OG pickleballer. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to get you out there sometime. I would absolutely love to come and play some pickleball. Absolutely, we will. I uh, don't know how spry I am anymore to get around the court, but but again, it's not like running around a full tennis exactly. court. Exactly right. We we've also when we've only had three people at times, we've gone out there and played singles. Oh, I love singles. Uh, and rotate though. singles, and that's when you really start running a good oh, bit yeah. and, and that sort of thing but but it's been a whole lot of fun all right as mentioned uh yesterday's show was shortened and we had an influx of calls in the second hour which is great we love we love when uh, people call us on the auburn bank phone line but uh we were not able to get in our best and worst of the weekend yesterday and i figured that uh, i make the rules and so we're going to go ahead and do a best and worst of this past weekend right now. So here it comes. Now time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. I wanted to get this in because we kind of alluded to what we were going to say, or at least what I was going to talk about in best and worst yesterday with one of our callers, and then did not get to it. And I still want to bring it up. I still have a nice couple minutes soliloquy on it. And so uh, we'll get to the worst part. Let's start with best, though, Tom. What uh, Do you have a best from this past weekend? Uh, well, I mean, my best of the weekend was being down in Mobile for Mardi Gras. Okay. So, Which, but, yeah, I mean, come on. Oh, well, I That's, mean, that was come just on. fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I I just didn't know if you wanted to no. reelaborate today for for those just tuning in today. Well, I mean, I, I was, uh, Mardi Gras ball we go to every year uh, down in Mobile, and so went down there. I uh, went down there Friday and uh, got down there, did a little bit of stuff around Friday, Saturday. Uh, I knocked around Mobile. We saw you know a lot of the historic stuff. For anybody that's never been to Mobile that loves history, that place is just loaded with so much history it's incredible 
and then get dressed up in the nice tuxedo with a white tie in the tails and nice. go to the Mardi Gras ball. You and Brooks were having a nice on or off air conversation about on tails about and no tails, tails yeah. no tails on the tux. The, the traditional is tail. The traditional is white tie and tails. So uh, did that. That so that was that was the best. Day, but that's a non sports best. I, I, I you can have a non sports. I know, best, yeah. but I I'm do, about to have a non sports. But best. I do have a a best sports. Okay, go and, for it too. And I call me a homer, but I th- I thoroughly enjoyed watching Alabama basketball get thumped. <laughs> I mean, I because they they've just been so damn good. They they just have they've got one they, the best player in the country right now. Probably most likely, I I mean, dude's leading in so many categories. I uh, the dude is just so good. And they've been beating all these top teams, and it's like they're starting to get ve- their fan base is starting to get very vocal. It's like their fan base has all of a sudden discovered that they have something other than football, and now they're getting excited about it and starting to get a little chirpy. It's nice to see it get brought back down to earth, and not just in a close loss, but I mean, just got their doors blown off. Right. Well, and again, it goes to show you college basketball. My opinion of Alabama did not change. I think they're one of the three or four best teams in the country. But everyone can be humbled. Yes. And we talked about uh, with Steve, you know, he was talking about the case for Arizona being ranked a little higher. Arizona's only lost three games. They've beaten a few good teams. Well, all three of their losses are by double digits. So when they lose, they lose pretty bad too. And that's just college basketball. Again, sure. uh, you, you, it, anything can happen, as you, you talk about a lot. and. And and I, like I said, and and it, it, anything did happen to Alabama that week, and I and I can still sit here and I, just like you were saying, I can still sit here and say Alabama has one of the best players in college basketball. They are probably a legit Final Four team. Yeah. I mean, just being they're still dead on past for being a one seed. So I mean, they'll, yeah, we'll um, see how it draws. I mean, their net goes, their but. net ranking didn't change a whole lot. They've beaten some amazing teams this year. They've beaten several number one teams that were ranked number one at the time. They're good. They are a legit. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't want to say final four. It's so difficult to get there. They're definitely oh, one of the teams that definitely can get. They there. they they are one hundred percent an absolute sweet sixteen team. They're probably a legit elite eight team. Final four is going to be tough, but I mean they've got the weapons. They've got so many veterans. Uh, I mean they've got dudes on that team that I swear have been there for ten years. And then now you get the freshman that is just a, right. a, a show enough superstar. Nate Oates has got he's got a team that's you know doing some stuff, and I mean they're good. But it was nice to see him get humbled and brought back down to earth a little sure. bit. All right, my uh, my best of the weekend. I did not have a sports best. Uh, sports were not how I wanted them to go all weekend. Pretty much, uh, my best was going home. And uh, having two steak meals over the weekend. There you go. We had a nice 20-ounce ribeye Friday night. And we had a uh, 9-ounce filet mignon on a Saturday celebrating my friend who just got into dental school. And so I had a very good time, um, spent time with the family. Uh, Last time I'm going to see them again for a few weeks. And uh, or last time I'd be up in Birmingham for a couple months, but uh, yeah, had a really good weekend back at home. Ate uh, like a king and uh, was very satisfied. Uh, very satisfied with everything that uh, that uh, I ate over the weekend. All right, uh, worst of the weekend for you, Tom. Uh, worst of the weekend definitely had to just be Auburn basketball. Uh, I I know they they fought back so hard against West Virginia, but. 
Man, it's just that's one of those that you you had so many chances it, it, when it was right there, and we've talked about you had one of your best offensive outings in the second half of that game, but you still just couldn't get it done. Once again, another dude goes for over thirty against a, a defense that you're supposed to be one of the best defensive teams. That's kind of what you win and lose on is your defense. But for a, you know, I'd always say third or fourth in a row, thir- definitely third in a row, a thirty point third, game. yeah, third in third. a row. Uh, third in a row uh, game with a guy going for over 30 on you. You get it cut to one. I mean, uh, you have your chances and you're missing free throws and it's just like, dag, come it. Uh, I mean, mm, that that one just – that that one stings because it was there. It was right there for the taking and you just couldn't finish it off. And it was a very winnable game, obviously, because you only lost by three and had every right. chance. Um and it just stings because, man, with the, just the, the tough schedule that's coming up. And, I mean, that was going to be a tough game, but that one's not going to be as tough as two against Bama, two against Tennessee, another one against A&M, a one against Kentucky. That, that West Virginia game is not as daunting as that. Sure. So you needed to try to get that. That, that win was so – It was doable. Doable They just and needed crucial. one Eric Stevenson brick or two. Yeah. So this is all they needed. So that, that, that stunk. It did. Yeah. So my worst of the weekend um, is about officiating. Great. I made it a month on my New Year's fan resolution of, uh, of not complaining. But it's not about the calls that happened because there were a lot of poor calls throughout the weekend. It started Saturday night in the Lakers-Celtics game. I know this is less significant than the NFL playoffs, but uh, a sequence at the end that was mentioned a little bit about on the show yesterday where uh, there was not a foul, a phantom foul called uh, on Patrick Beverly that caused the Celtics to get to tie the game, and then LeBron hit on the arm, clear foul, not called, not able to shoot free throws to try and win the game with a second left. Um, obviously, the reaction to it are another thing, but then Sunday, uh, more bad officiating got one blatantly wrong uh, to lead off that Eagles 49ers game where the NFL's uh, quick uh, replay is supposed to get on that and, and overrule that incomplete pass or what should have been an incomplete pass on fourth down to Devontae Smith. And then all throughout the Kansas City Cincinnati game, just terrible call after terrible call. Uh, four or five calls that were missed that went for Kansas City, including a block in the back on the punt return and Gene Steratore going on a show today and saying there should have been a holding on the Patrick Mahomes scramble, which was ultimately a 15-yard right. penalty. Tons of missed calls in that game. And here's my worst of the weekend. It's not even any one of those calls. It's the fact that there's really no easy answer to ever fix this. Because some people want to find these referees or lose their job, that sort of thing. I know it's at the low levels. I know it wouldn't affect the high levels at first. We're already short on referees at the high school level. We're already uh, seeing a profession that not a lot of people want to do because um, of the criticism and now the very public criticism. If you get one wrong, everyone will know it immediately and they will dog you for it. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, but at the same time, it makes it pretty hard to justify, oh, yeah, this is going to be a really happy profession for me. Yeah, you get to be a part of the game, and that's something special, and that's why you'll never completely run out of referees. But nevertheless, at the lower levels, they're lean. And so the reality here is the worst of the weekend is you're just never going to escape missed calls, even at the highest levels in the most important moments and the most important games. We are still human beings, and we're going to get it wrong, just as a player would drop a pass or commit a valid penalty, miss a layup, you know, strike out with the game on the line. 
the reality is is that we're always going to have the possibility that these games were influenced by poor calls. And uh, we've all, as sports fans with our various teams, been the benefactor and been subjected to poor calls. And uh, unfortunately, the worst of the weekend is that it's just a reminder this weekend that that is not going to change. Real quickly, a nightly TV guide to get you out of here. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hearts. Seltzer Men's College Basketball, Wake Forest Demon Deacons at the Duke Blue Devils, 6 o'clock on ESPN. I wish Wake Forest nothing but the best tonight. <laughs> uh, Iron Man, 6 o'clock on FX. 6 o'clock ESPN College Basketball on ESPN 2. Texas A&M in Arkansas. I mentioned that game just a moment ago. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Another college basketball game. Number 23, Miami uh, host Virginia Tech. And then 6.30 on TNT. Uh, NBA basketball. LeBron James and Los Angeles Lakers go to the Garden to face the New York Knicks. LeBron something like 120 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points all time. I don't think he'll be getting 120 tonight, but I do expect a big performance uh, in the garden tonight. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Enjoyed it today as always, Tom, and we will see you again tomorrow. Yeah, man. It's a good one. And uh, we appreciate Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals for joining the show today as well. For all those that tuned in and called in and for Tom Peavy, we appreciate you. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.